our series today on Luke, in Luke, on the miracles of Jesus. Last week, Pastor Greg preached the first few verses of chapter 7 and Luke on the centurion's servant and how the centurion had faith in Jesus, faith that makes a way, right? Faith that moves things. And uh, the centurion said, just say the word. Just say the word and my servant will be healed. And he was. Today, we're going to continue in Luke 7, starting in verse 11. And what I want us to look at is, is what is our response when someone gets the miracle we were asking God for in our situation? How do we respond when someone else gets their miracle and we're still left without the one that we were expecting? And so we're going to look at that uh, this morning. Uh, someone that doesn't pray, doesn't do 21 days of hunger, doesn't sing, this is how we fight our battles, doesn't know Psalm 23 or the three verses of great is thy faithfulness, and they receive a cancer diagnosis, and they are cured or healed and live many years later. And then your family member who's loved Jesus their whole life, served Jesus their whole life, gets a cancer diagnosis, and they go into hospice and pass away. What do we do with that? Or our adult son has addictions that just won't break off, but your girlfriend's son, his addictions came off, and now he's a pastor in the pulpit somewhere. What do we do with that response of a miracle that we were expecting that we didn't receive, but someone else got theirs. And so we want to look at that. Our fleshly natural reaction is why? It's not fair. They didn't even expect a miracle and they got it. And I've been praying for a miracle. I've expected it and I didn't receive it. How come God? How can I be happy for them when my situation hasn't changed? So today we're going to look at our miracle response. We're going to be in Luke 7 starting at verse 11. We'll read 11 through 17 and then we'll break it down and put it into uh, some perspective. Soon afterwards, in verse 11, Jesus went to a town called Nain. Soon afterwards, he has just healed the centurion's servant. He said the word, and the servant is healed. Soon afterward, Jesus went down to a town called Nain, and his disciples and a large crowd went along with him. As he approached the town gate, a dead person was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And a large crowd from the town was with her. When the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her, and he said, don't cry. Then he went up and touched the buyer that they were carrying him on, and the bearers stood still. He said, young man, I say to you, get up. The dead man sat up and began to talk, and Jesus gave him back to his mother. They were all filled with awe and praised God. A great prophet has appeared among us, they said. God has come to help his people. This news about Jesus spread throughout Judea and the surrounding country. Now, this miracle is only mentioned in Luke. That's why we have four Gospels, to get different perspectives, to find out different things that struck one person that maybe the other Gospel writer didn't write, it, write down. And we want to look at the miracle today. Then we want to look at the response of the people that saw the miracle. And then, while we're reading that, I want you to consider 
What is my response when someone receives an unexpected miracle and I don't receive an expected miracle? So the miracle. We love miracles, don't we? We do. Sometimes we say, I believe in miracles. And, and while that's a right intention, uh, what is more accurate and what should frame everything about our life is, I believe in the one true God who performs miracles, right? The world can believe in miracles. They can pray to a crystal and, and something happens and they attribute that to praying to the crystal and they say, oh, I believe in miracles. But rather, we believe in the miracle worker, not as much as the miracles. But we should believe for miracles because they still happen. My faith and trust and belief, though, is in him and not the miracle. But we don't discount miracles. Let me be very clear about that. Jesus still does them. And we still need miracles. And we still pray for miracles. But our eyes are fixed on Jesus, not on what he can do for us. Amen? So all that being said, we're going to look at this passage with a focus on Jesus and then see what he does. First, Jesus sees the one. In verse uh, 13, when the Lord, 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 saw her, when the Lord saw her, he had a crowd of people with him, and she had a crowd of people with her, but the Lord saw her. He cut through the crowd, and he saw the one who was in desperate need, who was panic-stricken, who was discouraged, who was despondent, who was mourning, who was racked with disappointment and racked with questions. This is no chance encounter between Jesus and the funeral procession. Jesus is present in our most darkest hour, and he was there for that woman at that moment. Now, Jewish tradition has that when someone passes away, they are buried uh, outside of the city. And uh, they hire some professional mourners. Some of you would be good at that if we still did that. But they, even the poorest person would hire two flutists and, and a professional mourner that would be wailing and crying. So the procession is happening, but Jesus shows up. And who does he see? He sees the mommy. Mommies, he sees you. And he sees what you're going through. Jesus is all about the one, the one lost sheep, the one lost coin, the one who is brokenhearted. He's all about you. Jesus sees the widow who is now burying her son. Next, Jesus feels compassion. And continuing in verse 13, his heart went out to her. We have a God that is gracious and our God is full of compassion. Psalm 119.5 tells us that. Jesus feels our pain, and he responds with compassion. He doesn't say, you got what you deserved. We may say that to somebody, or we would never verbally say that to you, Marie. We just might think it, right? We don't say it. You might, but don't. Jesus 
responds with compassion. He feels compassion. Our God has emotions. He's an alive God, and he has emotions. And he saw her despair, and he felt compassion. His heart went out to her. Next, Jesus speaks hope into a desperate situation, into something that looks dead and gone. Jesus speaks hope. When the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her, and he said, don't cry. Now, he doesn't say don't cry because we shouldn't cry when we're grieving. But he says don't cry because he knows this isn't the end of the story. Jesus is the hope giver. And he brings hope with him wherever he is in whatever situation he's in. Jesus is on the scene. All may seem lost and gone. But Jesus speaks hope. Psalm 56, 8, you keep track of all my sorrows. You have collected all my tears in your bottle. God has a big bottle for my tears. You have recorded each one in your book. And one of the greatest verses of hope is when it talks about heaven in Revelation where he says that he will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. Jesus brings hope into situations, and he speaks hope. May we have ears to hear when he speaks hope into our desperate situation. Next, Jesus steps into the, into the situation, excuse me, verse 14. Jesus now turns his attention to the son who has died and steps up and steps in. Verse 14, then he, Jesus, went up and touched the buyer they were carrying the son on. Jesus didn't hang back, but he stepped into a desperate situation. He took the initiative. Jesus doesn't leave us where we are and say, sorry, that's how the cookie crumbles. Instead, he's on the job, and he's present in our most heart-wrenching moments. Thank God that Jesus steps into our situations, amen? So he steps up into her grief, into her need, and when Jesus steps into a situation, watch out. Things change. Next, Jesus reaches out. He went up, and he touched the buyer they were carrying him on. Jesus, uh, Jewish law in the Old Testament tells us that uh, not to touch the dead. It's forbidden. It makes the person unclean, ceremonial, ceremonially unclean, and there's a process for, for all of that. But Jesus reaches out and touches the buyer. The unclean becomes clean when Jesus touches us. Amen. How many of us have felt the touch of Jesus in our lives? We were dead in our sins and trespasses, and then Jesus reached out. Jesus reached out, and he touched us, and everything changed. Those of you that are old like me can remember Bill Gaither in the song, He Touched Me. Shackled by a heavy burden, neath a load of guilt and shame, then the hand of Jesus touched me. 
and now I am no longer the same. He touched me. Oh, he touched me. And oh, the joy that floods my soul. Something happened, and now I know. He touched me and made me whole. Jesus reaches out and touches us in our most desperate moments. Isaiah 59.1, one of my favorite verses. Surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save, and his ear too dull to hear. Jesus is always reaching out to those who are in need and to those who are needing a touch from the master. For that prodigal, he's always reaching out. Jesus reaches out. Next, Jesus speaks with power. Verse 14, then he went up and he touched the bar. They were carrying him on and the bearers stood still. And he said, young man, I say to you, get up. Jesus speaks with power. When he speaks, the storm stops. When he speaks, we get out of the boat and we walk towards him. When he speaks, the centurion's servant is healed. When Jesus speaks, he doesn't speak without power. He's all-powerful, and he speaks with the authority of the Father. He speaks, and things change. Lastly, for this section, Jesus restores. Verse 15. The dead man sat up and began to talk. What did he say, Pastor Chris? It doesn't say. What did he say? I'd like some chicken nuggets. Or why are you all staring at me? I don't know. The dead man sat up and began to talk. And Jesus gave him back to his mommy. Jesus restores. Hallelujah. How many of us can say what was dead, what the enemy had taken from us, the Lord has restored back to us in ways that we could never have seen coming? This widow, this mommy, never saw this coming. It was a completely unexpected miracle. But Jesus restores. You're sitting here saved and sanctified because Jesus restores. When we look back on our history, we think, I was a goner. I was dead and gone in my sin. But then Jesus stepped up. Jesus reached out. Jesus spoke with power, and Jesus restored and gave us new life. Amen? All right, so that was seven points. Micah Speyer is keeping track, in case you were wondering. I got here this morning, and I hear that he was talking in the sound booth, wondering how many points Pastor Linda was ha would have, because I seem to have more than three points usually. And I said, no, but I'll end on time. So our first section was seven points. Now we move on to the second section. We should have like a stroke count up here or something. All right, so now we've looked at Jesus and the miracle. Now we turn to the response of those who witnessed the miracle. How many people in that crowd had had a son or a daughter pass away and Jesus didn't raise them from the dead? What was their response? Did they say, what about me? How come I didn't get my miracle? Well, let's see the response. Those that did not get a miracle in that moment from Jesus responded with, first, awe 
and praise and not jealousy and selfishness and anger. Awe and praise, verse 16. They, the crowd, were all filled with awe and praised God. Some translations say they were all filled with fear. Now that fear is not like, ooh, they're afraid, but it was that holy fear, that awesome holiness, that awesome awe that says, I can't even catch my breath at what just happened. They were filled with awe, and then they praised God. They worshiped. They were overwhelmed with what Jesus had done, and the response was praise. Secondly, the response was recognition. Verse Continuing in verse 16, they were all filled with awe and praise God. A great prophet has appeared among us, they said. God has come to help his people. Now, they don't know the end of the story. They don't know that Jesus is crucified, resurrected, and ascends to heaven, sends his Holy Spirit. They just know what they see at the moment and their history. And those of you that know your Old Testament, and they would have as well, they know that the prophet Elijah raised uh, the, the uh, widow of Zarephath, her son, from the dead. They also know the prophet Elisha raised the Shumanites' son from the dead. So when they see this happen now in their time, they think this is another great prophet. They have limited knowledge so far about who Jesus is, but they know that God has sent him to help his people. I hope that we recognize that God has sent Jesus to help us. We know now that he's not just a great prophet. We know that he is prophecy fulfilled. He is the Messiah, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. Lastly, for this section, lastly, their response is that they go to tell others. Brother Danny, they go to tell others. Our evangelism team captain over there. The news about Jesus spread throughout Judea and the surrounding country. They responded by that, that great prophetess Liza Minnelli by saying they started spreading the news. Some of you know what song I'm referring to there. They didn't keep quiet about what Jesus had done for someone else. They didn't complain about what Jesus hadn't yet done for them, but they started spreading the news about what Jesus had done for someone else. I hope that we will tell others about what Jesus has done for us, but also, by the way, let me tell you what he did for this person in my church. They responded with awe and praise, with recognition, and telling others. So now, what is our miracle response when someone else gets the miracle and we don't? When someone else is healed and our loved one isn't? When someone else gets a new car without car payments? And we're driving a clunker because we can't afford the car payments. What's our miracle response? Well, it must be the same as this crowd. Our miracle response must be first and foremost, awe and praise for who God is and what he has done for someone else. Let's be thrilled for someone when they receive a miracle. 
Let's continue to praise Jesus for who he is and what he's done and have faith for our miracle. We don't throw up our hands and say, well, forget it. I'm not going to pray anymore. It's just not going to happen. I just don't get my miracle. But no, we praise him in the midst of what we're going through. We praise him for what he's doing for someone else. We want to live in awe of his compassion and his power. My, my praise can't be dependent on what he has or hasn't done for me lately. He's the savior of my soul. And I worship him because of who he is, not because of the miracle I get from him. I have a, a girlfriend who's at my age, and uh, she always thought she would be a young grandma. She married young, and uh, her two, her, one of her children married young as well, 21, 22 in there. So she thought she'd be a young grandma. Well, it must be 10 years since that son is married, no grandchildren yet. And the daughter, not married, loves Jesus, no children. And so she has to make a determination in her heart when I call her and say, guess what? David and Anjari are having another baby. It's grandchild number eight for John and I. She has to decide, she has to choose her response to what's happening in my life and the miracle of birth that's happening in my family. Or she, she, she could become jealous and not want to hear it. And she said, no, I can't do that because then it robs me of the joy. It robs me of getting that phone call and rejoicing with them. Our response when someone else has a miracle is should be awe and praise to Jesus and not woe is me. The focus must be on who Jesus is and not what's happening in me. Amen? Secondly, it's not easy. I heard someone say it's tough. That is tough. And we can't do it without Jesus' empowerment and the Holy Spirit. Because our natural inclination is to be jealous and to turn our back from God. How many of us know people? They prayed and um, their sister passed away. And they said, that's it, I'm done with God. It can't be that way. We have to stick with Jesus. All we have to do is remember the cross and think, how could I not be full of awe and praise to Jesus because the, of the miracle of salvation that I had? Secondly, we need to recognize who Jesus is in our miracle response to someone else's miracle. He's the miracle worker. He's the savior of our soul. He's our healer, our provider, our strong tower. God is in us, the hope of glory. He's our rescuer. We have to recognize that he never changes. What he's done before, he'll do again. Who he is is who he is. And he doesn't shift with the wind. He doesn't say, oh, it's too cold and icy out. I don't think I'm going to come into the presence of the sanctuary. We recognize who he is, and we can bank on that. His mercy is new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. He is the same God, and we recognize him as that no matter what our current situation and circumstance is. Nothing is impossible with God. We don't throw up our hands in defeat, 
but we throw up our hands recognizing that Jesus is Lord of all. He's sovereign. He's in control. He's on the throne. And Jesus has come to help. Lastly, if you're counting, that was 7 plus 3 plus 3, so I'm at point number 13, but this really is the last point. We, our miracle response must be to tell others about Jesus and what he's done. Go tell it on the mountain is not just a Christmas song. Uh, Brother Danny Adorno and uh, Pete Zamlowski are a training and evangelism team. They have a core team that they've trained now, and now they've enlarged that team and threw out the net. And uh, yesterday was day two of their training. They had 27 Mission Church people here training for evangelism. We have to get busy telling other people about what Jesus has done and who he is. We can't keep it to ourselves. People are looking to see how do we respond when things don't go our way. Do we still trust Jesus or do we shirk back? We must have awe and praise. We must recognize who Jesus is and we must tell others about the miracle worker, even in the midst of our storm. I'm going to ask the worship team to come, and I'm going to invite you to stand as well. Yes, I know. 13 points on time, landing in the plane. We'll see how I fail, finish, though. I know what it's like to receive a miracle. Uh, 40 years ago, we went to, John and I were dating. We went to a church, and they had an altar call for healing, and I went up, and they prayed for my right knee, and uh, I was miraculously healed. I didn't need the brace I had on anymore. I didn't uh, need to uh, uh, have the knee go out, and then I fell, and he helped me back up. So I know what it's like to receive a miracle, and I know what it's like to not receive a miracle, because now 40 years later, I'm going to need a knee replacement one of these days. So my, my miracle had an expiration date, apparently, of 40 years. <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take it. But I know what it's like to receive a miracle, and I know what it's like to not receive a miracle. I know what it's like to cheer someone on that they got their miracle, and I know what it's like to feel like, how come them and not me? We get to choose our miracle response. What's recorded right after this miracle in Luke 7? Uh, John the Baptist. His disciples, John the Baptist's disciples, have seen what Jesus was doing, and they go and report back to John the Baptist. And then John the Baptist sends two of them back to Jesus and says, Are you the one who is to come, or should we expect someone else? Are you the Messiah? Are you the Savior? Are you the long-awaited one? Are you the promised one from the Old Testament? And Jesus tells them in Luke 7, now verse 22, he says, Go back and report to John what you have seen and heard. Doesn't say what you have experienced for yourself necessarily. What you have seen and heard. The blind receive sight. The lame walk. Those who have leprosy are cleansed. The deaf hear. The dead are raised. And the good news is proclaimed to the poor. That is who our God is. And he still does miracles. We still trust him. 
we still believe in him. We still look to him, even while we're waiting for our miracle. We still cheer that one on that got their miracle. That widow got an unexpected miracle. She was going to bury her son. She didn't call on Jesus. She didn't send someone to bring Jesus to her situation. She didn't deserve a miracle according to maybe our standards sometimes. But Jesus stepped in and did the miracle. And the crowd was thrilled for her. Let's be thrilled when someone gets healed. Let's be thrilled when someone receives a promotion. They've only been there a year. You've been there 10 years. They get the promotion and you get laid off. Let's be thrilled that they got the promotion. What a savior. What a miracle worker. So before we close and we're going to worship, I want to encourage you, let's stand in awe and praise the Lord. Recognizing who he is, that he's the miracle worker. And let's get ready to leave this place today and tell others what he has done what he is doing, and what he will yet do for them and for you. Let's praise him before we close. you 
as we sing it out to the Lord. Because you are worthy of it all. Every voice, every voice. You are worthy of it all. Hallelujah. For from you are all things. And to you are all things. You deserve the glory. Jason and Lindsay Higdon are here this morning with their brand new baby. We're thrilled that you're here. Those of you that may remember their story, and I'm going to take a little liberty here because you share your story. They were pregnant with twins and uh, lost both twins, and our hearts were broken with them. And then we believed with them for a miracle, and uh, their little girl came. And then we believed them for another miracle, and their little boy came. And then we believed Jesus for another miracle, and now they have a second baby boy. And can our response be to them and to Jesus how thrilled we are for them? Or is our response, I lost a baby and then couldn't conceive again? Or I've never had a baby. Our response to someone else's miracle must be awe and praise for what God did for them. Amen. Must be we recognize that Jesus can do anything. And then we stand behind a pulpit and we tell everyone we can tell of what Jesus has done. We're so thrilled for you guys. Praise the Lord. Uh, before I dismiss you, you'll notice the flags are here. Next Sunday is Mission Sunday here at the Mission Church. Next Sunday, Pastor Greg and uh, some others will be sharing what the Lord did through you in 2022 through your Mission Church support of missionaries all through the year and uh, what, he, what God has done around the world. And we'll be receiving our missions offering. This is a one-time offering we take once a year. As you leave today, the ushers will be stationed at both back doors and both side doors. They have an envelope for you with a letter from Pastor Greg and a pledge card. This week, let's pray and say, Lord, what would you have me do to tell others that they can expect their miracle and that Jesus saves and Jesus heals? Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you sent Jesus because Jesus tells us that God has sent help to his people. And we are in desperate need of help, dear Jesus. We need you to step into our situations. We need you to speak power into our situations, Father. We need you to reach down and encourage us as we're waiting for our miracle. Lord, we thank you for what you've done for Jason and Lindsay. We thank you what you've done for others in this room that you have healed time and time again. We thank you for your provision. Father, where there was lack, we can remember. And now we 
we walk in enough and more than enough. Father, we thank you for who you are and what you did for us on the cross. And the saying is, if he never did another thing for us, we would still praise him. Lord, I pray that that is true for us and not just a cliche that we say. We thank you that you're sovereign. And we thank you that we can trust you for our miracle. Today, Father, I pray that you will manifest miracles amongst us. Those that are trusting for prodigals, we pray they'll come home. Those that are trusting for healing, we pray they'll be healed. Those that are trusting for provision, Lord, we pray that you'll open up heaven and pour out a blessing they cannot contain. And Lord, our eyes are fixed on you. We don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. And we rejoice in you and who you are. And that you do what you say you will do. And you are who you say you are. We love you with all of our hearts today. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you. The altars are open. Come on up. The prayer team is coming. And they're going to pray to Jesus and agree with you for your miracle. God bless you. Come, let's pray.